Hey, Ignite City. Hey, I wanted to share something from Wednesday's reading uh, from Luke chapter 10 um, when we're looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I mean, I feel like most people know this. Um, I, well, I, would, I don't maybe not jump to that conclusion. I feel like it's a pretty good, it's a pretty popular story, even with people who aren't followers of Jesus. Maybe the older generation, or maybe the, a whole lot of the younger generation just don't know any of the Bible. But the, the story of the Good Samaritan, um, it comes from a, 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 a lawyer who stood up um, to put Jesus to the test. Now, that's something that stood out to me. Friends, our reason for asking Jesus questions should not be to try to trap him or to put him to the test. It rather should be, I just want to know truth. I want to know what you think. I want to know you better. Um, and I feel like uh, over the years, um, uh, I remember uh, when I was in college back in the day, um, it seemed like a lot of theology profs or Bible profs, not all, I mean, there's tons of them that are just, they love Jesus a ton, but I feel like there's a, a bunch that just wanted to ask questions. It's almost like putting God to the test, um, not really seeking truth, but just trying to ask the questions that would make people doubt and just horribly irresponsible. And I've heard past, I've heard of pastors that do that. I've heard of Christian leaders that will do that. It's almost like uh, there's a pressure to find that question or nugget that nobody else has ever heard of and to do it irresponsibly um, at the expense of those who are trying to follow and know Jesus better. Uh, and so it, when I saw that, I thought, oh, God, please never let me ask questions to test you. I mean, the only reason that I ask you a question is because I need clarification. Uh, I really want to know what you think and I want to know what you want me to do. And I know what I want to know what you say. And I, I want to know more of what you're like that I want to know you better, always connected to relationship and mission. Uh, and so, but the test, the testing question is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And it says that Jesus answered him and says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he, the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, in speaking back, it's referring back to the lawyer, but the lawyer, desire, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus replies and tells him the story that many of us have heard. And if you've never heard it, it's nothing wrong. Um, it, I mean, it's not like a, a shame on you, but it's just a pretty popular passage for those brought up in the church. It says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Notice that their response was exactly the same. Here's a priest on his way, wherever he's going, probably to minister at the tabernacle or the temple, by then the temple, and he sees this man, and it would be a fellow Jewish, Jewish person, a person, one of the people of Israel, who'd been beaten by robbers and left for dead, stripped naked. And when he sees him, and maybe in his head he goes, I, maybe he's dead and I can't touch him because that breaks the law. Either way, it says that he passed by on the other side. The Levite, who had a, mass, a major responsibility in the, in the temple, uh, part of uh, the Levitical priesthood, part of the family line of uh, uh, Aaron and Levi, um, and so he passes by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and why is that so important? Because the Jewish people hated Samaritans. I mean, racism at its worst. Absolutely hated them. The Samaritans didn't get along with the Jewish people. 
But it says, but a Samaritan, notice, this, well, I'll say it in a second. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, watch this, three words, he had compassion. Friends, he had compassion. He had pity. I think the, the, the Greek word is like his bowels were moved. I mean, that's weird. I don't, I don't know that I've ever looked at someone and said, man, I just love you with my bowels. That just, <laughs> that sounds a little bit off. But it's like to be so moved, it's like from the inside, I'm so moved that I have to what? Watch what he does because he has compassion. Verse 34, he went to him. Compared to the priest and the Levi who passed by on the other side, they went away from him. This Samaritan, because he had compassion, went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal. So not only does he go to him and bind his wounds, then he helps him up, places him on his own animal and brought him to an end to take care of him. So in other words, he helps him up, puts him on his own his own animal, and then I'm guessing has to walk because this man is on his animal. Uh, and then, but in order to go with him to an end, to check him into a hotel and to take care of him. So it wasn't a quick buck. Hey, here's a, oh, here's a, here's a bandaid and I got to go. It was, I'm stopping my whole life to make sure that I care for you. And not only in the moment, but now I'm going to continue on with you. I'm going to get you a place in a hotel and then I'm going to take care of you. In verse 38, um, I'm sorry, verse 35. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So he sees him, immediately treats him, then picks him up, takes him to a place where he can rest and recuperate and heal, pays for that and cares for him. Then he has to continue on to his business trip, but tells tells the innkeeper, hey, care for him and spend whatever you need to. And when I come back, friends, that's it. It's to go back to the person that he was caring for and he would repay the innkeeper for all the expenses. Friends, that's what compassion does. When it's all about, think about it, the priest and the Levite who are supposed to be all about God, missed it. They walked on the other side. The thing that compassion does, though, is it causes us to move toward. Compassion compels me to move toward the problem, to work, to move toward the pain, instead of away from it to go to it, to go toward it. To, I'm sorry, to go toward it because that's where Jesus goes, and that's what Jesus would do. Notice now. Watch this part in verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he, this is the lawyer, he said, the one who showed him mercy. Did you notice in the answer what he did not say? Uh, what he said was true, the one who showed him mercy. But the thing that he left out was this. He did not use the word Samaritan. Think about it. Here, the man asked Jesus to test him. The man answers, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And then to try to test him, asked, well, who is my neighbor? And then as Jesus tells this story, he makes the priest and the Levite the quote-unquote villains of the story, but he makes the hero the one whom this lawyer would have hated. And so when this lawyer comes to trap and test Jesus, actually Jesus is the one who trapped him in his own story, trapped him in his own questions, and pointed out his own racism. So much racism that the man, the lawyer, could not refer to the hero of the story as the good Samaritan or as the Samaritan 
but he had to refer to him as the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus then said to him, you go and do likewise. What you've heard in this story, you go do and likewise. You don't need to go back and act like the Levite. Don't act like the priest. But I want you to act like the good Samaritan whom you hate. Be like him in this story. Be a person who is filled with compassion, filled with I'm sorry, pity, filled with empathy, and move toward the problem. Move toward the hurt. Move toward the need rather than away from it. Let that need then be something that you're consumed by, that you tend to it in the moment. You make sure that you'll continue to tend to it as you for the next couple of days and continue to come back to make sure that that person is cared for. Friends, that's compassion. And that's what a good Samaritan does. That's what a good neighbor does. And then here's the thing, though. We're so quick. We are so quick. Maybe I'll just say for me, and if you can apply it to yourself, if you can relate, do so. I'm so quick to automatically make myself the good Samaritan. But then I had to be honest with the Lord and ask him, how many times do I find myself not being the first one to respond towards something? But to look in, in my mind and go, oh, I'm sure they've got somebody coming. I'm sure they've got coming someone to come in, someone, I'm sorry, someone coming to help them out. Guys, I jump toward that all the time. I jump into that all the time. And I felt so convicted and I confessed it to the Lord. And I said, I'm so sorry, God, would you forgive me for how often I pass by on the other side rather than moving toward or moving into the problem with the person to love my neighbor um, as myself, to love my neighbor as Jesus loves them. Guys, I had to confess that. And I'm so thankful that I did because there's freedom that comes with confession. But instead of me putting myself into the hero position, it was good to stop and to slow down and to really reflect on my day, on my week, on the last month, and to just think, how often did I find myself walking away from a situation rather than walking toward friends? I want God to do a work in my life and in, in your life as well, but work in my life so that I'm a person filled with compassion, that I'm a good neighbor, that I'm a great follower of Jesus, and that I'd be a person who would walk toward the pain and the problem and the hurt in order to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love people the way that Jesus does. In order, guys, to do that because I call myself a follower of Jesus, yes. But ultimately to do that because I love Jesus. And therefore, because he loves people, I love people, and those people are created in the very image of God who have intrinsic value. Friends, may we become people filled with compassion who move toward the pain and the problem and the hurt rather than away from it. Friends, I hope this is an encouragement and a challenge to you. We'll talk soon.